This podcast is intended to summarize my response to the most pressing, important question facing Americans today. For whom will you vote in the 2016 United States presidential election? First, I want to say that in many respects, it's unfortunately true that we're faced with the classic lesser of two evils scenario. The candidates both come complete with relatively full sets of baggage and with closets relatively overflowing with skeletons. That said, not all sets of baggage and not all closets full of skeletons have been created equally. In addition, lost in the maelstrom that is the 24-7-365 political news cycle is the fact that one, and only one, of the two primary candidates is significantly and uniquely qualified to affect the kind of sweeping radical change necessary to get this country back on track and moving in the right direction. For those reasons and many other reasons that comprise the bulk of this piece I'm sharing with you right now, on November 8, 2016, I will be casting my vote for Donald J. Trump. I know that many of you will probably stop listening at this point, but I would humbly ask that you keep listening as I've gone to fairly great lengths to be as objective as possible and to do as much research as I could before reaching this decision. You're going to hear me talk quite a lot about how critical I am of Trump in many places. As evidence of that, I prepared a scandal score sheet which summarizes all of the scandals that I could find for both candidates, and I did my best to lay out those findings with as little spin as possible. The truth of the matter is I learned quite a lot about both candidates that I didn't know before doing that research. So if you get nothing else out of this podcast, perhaps you might go to unkview.com slash scandal, that's U-N-C-P-H-E-W dot com slash scandal, and download that document. Those things said, here are my reasons for voting the way I intend to vote. First, because he has a proven record of success and accomplishment. I think if people answered truthfully, and if you weren't running for the highest office in the free world, a very high percentage of people would answer Donald Trump if they were posed with the question of who's the most successful living business person in America. And even if Trump isn't your number one choice, because maybe you thought of Bill Gates or William Buffett before you thought of Trump, and that's totally reasonable, of course, he'd still be very likely in your top three or at worst, maybe your top five. Does he have his share of business-related issues, challenges, and even scandals? Uh, Yeah, he does. And I'm not going to lie, he has more of those than I would prefer. From Trump University, to Trump Institute, to various antitrust issues, to even using undocumented workers to build his signature Trump Tower in New York City, he has been involved in a bunch of stuff, and some of it is quite unflattering. But one thing I've learned from studying business the entirety of my adult life, and from founding or co-founding a few businesses that have done somewhat okay, is that most every successful CEO has more than their share of such baggage. And not only that, but the competition and the very specific nature of the competition at the level at which Trump operates is way beyond what most of us can understand, appreciate, or even fathom. 
And even beyond that, pick any large company in the world and do a reasonable level of due diligence on that company. What you will almost certainly find is that there will be hundreds of examples of entanglements, controversies, disputes, and lawsuits. It's simply the nature of the beast once a company reaches a certain level of significance, success, and profile. Why would we expect anything different in the case of an empire the size of Trump's? Ergo, even after taking all of the negatives into consideration, the guy is still among the very elite in terms of business success, not just in America, but in the entire world. And yeah, I do know that his father loaned him money to kick off his career, but I would still argue that very few people could ever accomplish what he's accomplished, even with the kind of head start he admittedly had. You simply can't build an empire without a certain skill set. And there's no question in my mind that Trump has that specific skill set as much, if not more, than any other person alive at the moment. He has taken that relatively modest beginning, which is somewhere between a million and 14 million, depending upon the source, that he got in that loan from his dad, and turned it into an empire worth at least three billion. From any perspective, those are extraordinary, spectacular results. And the truth is that we need, desperately need, someone in charge of our government who actually understands business, finance, and fiscal policy. We simply can't sustain the level of debt that's been built up over the years. Further, while America does occupy an unusual place in the world in terms of our historical generosity and largesse, and we should help other nations less fortunate than us, as we so often have done, we simply can't spend money internationally without first providing for our very pressing domestic needs. Without big change in terms of our economic policy, like undoing or revising trade deals we've made in the past that have cost us millions of American jobs as businesses have relocated their operations far and wide across the globe, we're going to be handing down a literal bankruptcy, a bankrupt nation, to our kids and our grandkids. And even though I have neither of those things, kids or grandkids, I still think being responsible with money is just the obvious and right thing to do. What we absolutely cannot afford is a continuation of business as usual the way it's currently being done in DC. The national debt has nearly doubled during Obama's two terms in office. That's insane and it's absolutely unsustainable. To have the kind of leadership necessary to navigate all of these very complicated economic challenges, we need someone with a big proven record of success in business. I think Trump checks that box in a very real and convincing way. As a final comment here, I believe this point is especially important given the absence of such a record of accomplishment on the part of his opponent. I sincerely try to be objective and to give real weight and consideration to her biggest business successes. Unfortunately, I couldn't think of any. The next reason I'm voting the way that I am is because of his candor. The very thing that turns so many people off to Trump is probably the number one thing I like about the guy. He speaks his mind. Does he say some really dumb things? And does he say those dumb things too often? Yeah, he does. I can't deny that. However, given how fake and phony and let's get real here, dishonest, so many people have become, in large part because of political correctness, it's so refreshing to encounter someone like Trump who tells you exactly what he's thinking a relatively high percentage of the time. I'll even take my criticism a step further and say that I am disappointed that Trump has at times seemed wholly incapable of keeping his mouth shut or learning from his prior verbal gaffes. 
On a number of occasions, this has absolutely enraged me. Sometimes it feels almost like he's an enabled two-year-old who's been raised by parents from the dreaded, oh no, not them, self-esteem generation. Meaning specifically that he's been given the wholly incorrect worldview that he can say whatever he wants to say whenever he wants to say it, irrespective of context. I keep hoping he'll gain a little bit more self-control, learn to curb his tongue, not be so easily riled up, and not be so blatantly knee-jerk reactionary. Does he still have more work to do in this area? Without question. But all that said, I would still rather have someone like Trump, who for the most part is telling you what he really thinks, rather than the classic, duplicitous, two-faced, hypocritical career politician who lies as often as not, and who tailors every word for whatever crowd they happen to be facing at that very minute without regard to what they've said in the past. I'll take candor over glib, polished, politispeak any day of the week. And whether you love Trump or whether you hate Trump, you have to admit that the man is nothing if not candid. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he is not a Washington insider. There has never, in the course of the entirety of American political history, been any candidate so universally despised, disliked, attacked, and vilified by such a high percentage of Washington insiders. Pretty much all Democrats hate him, and a surprisingly high percentage of even his own party members seem not to like him. Not to mention the press, but I consider them an extension of the American political machine at this point, so that observation is somewhat redundant. But you have to ask yourself, why do so many seem to hate him so much? There can really be only one logical answer, because they know if he's elected, he'll come in and make an honest effort to overhaul government and truly change things. And that is the very last thing that entrenched powers that be can allow to happen. In my humble opinion, our country is heading in a very very wrong direction. And to be clear, I'm not laying all of that at Obama's feet. There were things that Bush did that I absolutely did not agree with, so this point I'm making here is aimed at both parties. This is not about placing blame. This is about doing what's best for the future of this country. That said, I think we desperately need a radical change of direction and a significant course correction. Without such actual change, we're just going to keep driving toward the abyss at a very high rate of speed each and every day. Because Trump is the very definition of a political outsider, I think that makes him the better candidate in terms of affecting real, meaningful, and lasting change. Not only that, but his opponent has spent the last 30 plus years living at or very near the epicenter of the public eye. We know this woman. We know her nature. We know her character. She is the quintessential Washington insider. Besides that, ask yourself, these questions. What has she truly accomplished of note ever in any of her official capacities? If she has had any truly innovative, original, or exceptional ideas, why has she not shared those things with America by now? She's had so many opportunities to do that. As she's functioned as First Lady, Senator, and Secretary of State, few people have had so many different high-profile opportunities in which they could have made a difference. Few people in American political history have been less effective in so many different contexts. If she has not produced any truly innovative, original, or exceptional ideas to help America after all these years, why do you think she's going to be able to do that now, especially given her advancing years and seemingly suspect 
health. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he can admit when he's wrong. I wanna be really, really clear on this point. I think Trump was way in the wrong regarding this whole locker room talk controversy. And I'm not saying this because it's the politically correct thing to do. Because if you know anything about me or if you know me in real life, you know that being politically correct is not at all my thing. I'm saying this because it's what I really think. That said, Trump did apologize for his comments and I thought his apology was sincere. It was refreshing to see someone own up to something for a change as the current MO of almost every politician on either side of the aisle is to lie, lie, and lie some more when confronted with something of this nature. As one example, Bill Clinton on live national TV in 1998 looked into the eyes of the American public and said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Sorry for the bad accent, but that's what he said. Eventually, after being trapped by a mountain of evidence, including his own DNA, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, please Google Monica Lewinsky blue dress, or for more fun, Google Monica Lewinsky cigar. He ultimately did admit that he lied. He was then impeached, becoming only the second president to disgrace the office in that manner. And he was the first since 1868. Trump did something admittedly dumb. He was outed for it, and he took responsibility and apologized to the world more than once. No, that does not absolve the original sin. But what it does do is demonstrate an ability to admit it when he's wrong, and this country needs a leader with that capacity at this point. Further, to my knowledge, he did not attack the source of the leak. He did not claim it was some conspiracy or blame Russia or anything of that nature. He simply stood up and dealt with it like a man. As opposed to the current administration, which is doing everything it can to divert your attention away from the incredible litany of things being unearthed in all of the WikiLeaks releases. If you've been paying attention, the Democrats are not telling you the things being released are inaccurate. They aren't. What they are doing is creating every conceivable manner of subterfuge and misdirection. Publicized cyber attack on Russia, anyone? To make sure you don't look too closely at the hundreds of roaches scurrying out from under the rock that Assange keeps picking up for us. As an aside, if we want to go into the archives, there are plenty of things the other candidate has said. Examples being against gay marriage, laughing about getting the rapist of a 12-year-old girl off when she represented him as his attorney, calling African-American youth super predators, etc. There's a bunch of examples. My point is, I'm not sure how fair it is to go back 11 years to micro-scrutinize an excerpt from a private conversation Trump had when it seems no one wants to go back into the past to analyze the very public things Hillary has so often said. Again, that's not to defend Trump. It is to point out the unlevel playing field that has been tilted against Trump during this entire election cycle. The bottom line, Trump screwed up. He didn't deny it. He didn't blame anyone. He offered a heartfelt apology. America needs a leader who can do those things now more than ever. And for those of you who might be thinking, hey, his opponent said she was wrong for what she did with the email thing, I would remind you that she denied, denied, and denied that she had done anything wrong until she was caught red-handed. Then and only then did she admit to any wrongdoing.
The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he puts America first. I know that loving America has somehow been twisted into being viewed as a bad thing and that being patriotic is viewed by some as being discriminatory or perhaps even racist. To those things, all I can say is that that is quite possibly the most ridiculous insane perspective and point of view I can imagine. I, for one, love this country, and I take great pride in feeling the way that I do. This is the greatest country in the history of this planet, period. Is America perfect? God, no. Far from it. Does racism and discrimination still exist? Yeah, for sure. But I would argue that until Obama, who seems to have prioritized racial division as his number one domestic policy initiative, until he was elected, racial tension had been on the steady decline over the course of the last 50 years. Back on point, it is not anti-other people to be pro-American. As proof, do you provide for your neighbor's kids or do you let your neighbors handle that? If you're like most, you stay out of that, right? Does that mean you hate your neighbors or their kids? I don't think so. I think it means you love your kids more, which is perfectly natural and understandable. To love your own is not racist. Further, do you lock your doors at night? My guess is that if you're like most people, you do. Do you do that because you hate everyone on the outside? Probably not. My guess is that you lock your doors not because of a hatred for others, but rather because of a love for those closest to you. Again, that does not make you anti the people on the other side of your door, or in this case, the other side of our borders, or even the other side of the world. From where I sit, one of the major issues I have with Obama and the way he has led is that it's always felt to me as if doing what's best for the world was a higher priority to him than doing what's best for America. Because those things are not always one and the same. Remember, Obama was twice elected to be president of the United States, not to be president of the world or the leader of the United Nations, which truth be told is a title much more in keeping with his behavior since taking over the Oval Office. We need our next leader to remember what he is president of and what he is not the president of. To reiterate, being pro-American does not make a person a racist or a bigot. I can provide for my family more than I provide for your family, but that doesn't mean I'm against you or your family. It means I have limited resources and my first priority, obviously and logically, must be to provide for my own. I believe Trump will do that and do that well. Provide for Americans first, as every American president should do. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because of his perspective on immigration. This one is easy. Trump simply wants the existing United States laws on immigration to be enforced and to protect our borders. She, on the other hand, wants to continue or even expand Obama's policies of open borders. On the topic of existing illegal immigrants, I feel compelled to say a few things for the record. First, illegal immigrants are just that, illegal. Second, as one who has had a long-term personal relationship with a Russian who immigrated here legally, I can tell you from first-hand experience that there are existing laws in place that are fair, logical, and reasonable. Third, my personal opinion is that once a person decides to break the existing laws, all bets are off in terms of the future implications of that conscious decision to not obey those laws. Fourth, in the specific context of potentially deporting people, for liberals to prey on the emotions of voters by using expressions like tear families apart is a shameful and sadly transparent attempt to manipulate people. Unfortunately, I am sure the tactic is effective 
in some and maybe even many cases, but that doesn't make it any less repugnant. Finally, to call such people, I'm referring to again, illegal immigrants, to call such people undocumented as opposed to illegal is a complete slap in the face to people like my Russian friend who did everything by the book and respected our nation and the process and path to become a citizen. Speaking just for me now, I can tell you that enforcing existing immigration laws is probably the number one issue in this election. I'm not opposed to immigration at all. As already noted, the most important person in my life for nearly two decades was born and raised in Moscow. But the hard reality is that not all immigrants are created equally. Some want to do us harm. We have ample evidence of that worldwide and within our borders. We see what's happening in Europe. I want a president who will err on the side of protecting Americans and who will put the safety of existing citizens as his or her highest priority. We know she's not going to do that at a level that he will. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because we need a reasonably objective press in a supposedly free society. If you've been paying any attention to how this election has been covered, it's been a joke. The lack of objectivity and integrity has reached a crisis level. As the Wall Street Journal wrote on October 16th, 2016, the press buries Hillary Clinton's sins. The subheadline read, as reporters focus on Trump, they miss new details on Clinton's rotten record. I'm purposely curbing myself here, but I do want to add a few more things. Hard evidence exposed to the light of day by WikiLeaks has proven conspiracy between the press and the Clinton campaign. Hard evidence exposed to the light of day by WikiLeaks has also proven many other things that individually might rise to the level of a felony offense. Obstruction of justice, electoral fraud, mishandling of classified information, etc. And quite possibly, some of those things might even rise to the level of treason. The mainstream media's coverage of these things has been minimal at best. Many of the individual things noted in the WikiLeaks releases dwarf what Richard Nixon did in the infamous Watergate scandal by an enormous margin, and he resigned in dishonor for what he did. With even a reasonably objective media, Trump's opponent would have bowed out of the race by now, or more likely, to be honest, would have been indicted. Will Trump's election change any of this? I don't know. Maybe not. But what I do know is that if his opponent wins, we can say goodbye to an objective press in America for the foreseeable future. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because I own a small business. As far as I can tell, there's almost no one in the current administration who understands the plight of small business owners. Without writing a book here, as one example, let me just say that Obamacare is killing my business and the businesses of a number of my friends and associates. How? Because as a result of that disastrous legislation, and thank God we passed it so we could find out what was in it, I had to choose between paying for health insurance for my employees or reducing their hours to get them below full time or to let them go altogether. Unfortunately, I chose the last of those options because I could not afford either of the former. So people lost jobs in my company specifically because of Obamacare. Beyond that, one of my business owner friends just informed me that over the course of the last few years, his premiums have gone from 350 bucks per month to 1,250 per month, and his deductible jumped from 4,000 per year to 16,500 per year. Yet another told me his premiums have increased an average of 17.5% over each of the last 
four years. And just to be able to afford insurance for his 20 employees, they've had to increase the related deductible to $15,000 per year per employee. He told me if things continue on like this, he'll have to stop providing insurance for those 20 employees and their families at some point, or he'll simply go out of business attempting to carry the incremental expense load. Obamacare needs to be repealed ASAP. In response to those of you thinking, and then what, pretty much anything short of a single-payer concept will be preferable to the train wreck that is Obamacare. Way beyond that singular point, Trump knows business. I sincerely believe he'll do things that spur growth in small businesses like mine. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because I hope to have health insurance in five years. Continuing parts of the last point, at the current pace, I figure I'll be able to afford insurance for maybe another three or four or five years. My premiums continue to rise along with my deductible while my coverage gets smaller and weaker year after year. In the mail just yesterday, I received a letter from my health insurance provider under a big bold headline that read, your Blue Cross healthcare plan will stay open for 2017. I learned that my premium increased by 22% and my deductible increased by 44%. At some point, should those increases continue, I simply won't have a choice but to stop the coverage. Here's a lesson in Econ 101. You cannot entitle a person without doing the opposite to someone else. For every person who received coverage because of Obamacare, someone else lost coverage or now they're paying more or they ended up with coverage of reduced quality. I think Trump will take action to clean up this toxic mess. His opponent, however, is rooting for Obamacare to fail so she can replace it with a single-payer system. The one that I told you a minute ago could be worse than Obamacare. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he is not a racist. This is a little bit redundant of a prior point, but I think it's worth mentioning anyway. The media has done a sadly brilliant job of misquoting Trump and or not providing full context around the more misperceived of his supposedly racist comments. Are the words he chooses perfect? No. Not even close. Does he say things that often come off as potentially racist, particularly given today's context of hyper-political correctness? For sure. Do I sometimes cringe at the things he says? Without question. But here's the thing. If you take in the full context of what Trump says, in most cases, not all, but most, his true point is usually logical and reasonable. As a primary example, that he wants people to immigrate here legally should not be even remotely controversial. And yet he's framed that specific, reasonable intention in a variety of malapropisms and mangled syntax that make it way too easy for the ever-present social justice warriors to jump in and shred him like a school of piranha on raw meat. And the end result is that he often looks like something I truly believe he is not a racist. As a final point here, don't you find it a bit strange that Trump has been in business forever and yet very little has been said about him being a racist before this election? Further, Jesse Jackson, of all people, praised Trump in the past for reaching out and being inclusive. He also called him a friend who embraced the underserved communities. Why haven't you heard about that stuff recently, you ask? Because it doesn't fit the current narrative of the mainstream media 
at large. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because his being a womanizer has been exaggerated. If you think Trump has been sexually abusing women all his life, why haven't there been a litany of lawsuits on this point? Has he had some issues in the past? Yeah, he has. But nothing to the level that the left is alleging at the moment. And don't you find it a bit odd and a little too convenient that all of the women who have come forth in recent days and weeks alleging some manner of sexual misconduct on the part of Trump the majority of whom weren't credible from the get, and or who have since had their stories completely exposed as complete lies and exaggerations, remain silent all those years until just before this election. Do I think Trump is pure on this point? Nope. I don't. I cannot lie about that. Unfortunately, many men in positions of power suffer from this sort of thing. Truth be told, I think many people, yes, maybe even a few women, would likely fall short of perfection if they had beautiful members of the opposite sex constantly throwing themselves at them. All that said, I think Trump is a flawed human being who has shown some flaws in this area. Last time I checked, every human being not named Jesus Christ has some issues. I can assure you the other candidate has more than her share. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he supports law enforcement. This is another area where I think Obama has failed America miserably, and where I think Hillary is very likely to maintain that unfortunate status quo. At every turn, Obama has chosen to escalate tensions rather than to defuse them when it comes to the issue of the people versus law enforcement. At every opportunity, he said as many, if not more, incendiary things about the police than he said in support of the police. He has unfailingly remembered the names of the victims, even when those victims turned out to be hardcore criminals, which was usually the case, and never mentioned the names of police officers killed in the line of duty. Not even in the aftermath of the Dallas police murders, in which he did mention the names of the victims killed just prior to that, but not those poor Dallas cops killed in cold blood on live national TV. And if all that wasn't bad enough, Obama met a number of times in the White House with leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement and even praised them for their, quote, outstanding work. End quote. Not to mention sending representatives from the administration to attend the funerals of various victims, which is yet another slap in the face of law enforcement. And who can forget the U.S. government standing back and watching a number of our cities be looted and torched and doing nothing to stop those things from happening. You do realize, don't you, that Obama could have ordered anyone and everyone below him to do whatever he wanted, right? Letting those cities suffer was a conscious decision on his part, done, in my opinion, with a very specific political objective in mind. And even after the New York Times, yeah, the New York Times, not exactly a bastion of conservatism, published an article about a study that showed police killing blacks disproportionately in comparison to other races simply wasn't true, Obama's rhetoric never changed one degree, not one iota. The larger media all but ignored the story. And if you missed it, that study was authored by Ronald J. Fryer Jr., an African-American professor from Obama's alma mater, Harvard. So this was in the New York Times, authored by a black man from Obama's alma mater, 
and Obama still ignored what came out of that particular study. Now, to be fair, I cannot realistically lay all of that at the feet of Trump's opponent. So to be clear, this is not an attack on her. What I am saying is this. The cold, hard reality is that a free, normal society cannot stay free or normal without laws and without a healthy respect for law and order. It just can't. At some point, the good men and women in blue who do jobs most of us couldn't even conceive of doing, who risk their lives for us day in and day out, doing work that is incredibly dangerous, largely unappreciated or even vilified, who are often underpaid and who have been stone cold assassinated in ridiculous numbers this year and who perhaps worst of all, have been de facto undermined by the highest office in the land, they're just going to start resigning in large numbers. I cannot believe that hasn't happened already. If Trump is elected, I believe respect for law and order and for law enforcement will return to normal levels almost immediately. His support for law enforcement is clearly established and no one disputes that. As a final comment here, I'm not suggesting that there are not some bad cops out there. Of course there are. But when you truly examine the facts, particularly the Harvard study I mentioned a moment ago, you'll see that the level of the current rhetoric simply doesn't hold water. It just doesn't. The next reason I support Trump in the upcoming election is because he supports the military. Very similar to the last point, morale in our military is at near historic lows. Personally, I have or had a number of family members in the military, and what they have said is consistent with what I've seen over and over in the media and from talking with other people, which is that, by and large, the military loathes Obama. Trump is a big supporter of the military. He often talks about how wrong it is that we've not placed supporting and caring for members of the military as a high enough priority. Obama has made importing and providing for refugees a higher priority than taking care of the many veterans who have made massive sacrifices to defend our country and our way of life, which, for the moment, remains the envy of the world. I'm positive Trump will change that if elected, and I think this is really important. We have relative safety because of all the great work done by the military in other parts of the world, so the fight does not take place on our soil. Trump gets that. He respects the military, and our country desperately needs such a perspective back in the Oval Office ASAP. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he's not doing it for the money. Personally, I don't care what Trump's net worth is. I don't care how much money he has. All I know is that it's a lot, and needing the money is clearly not why he's running. Not only that, but he is primarily self-funding his campaign, so very much unlike his opponent, he will be holden to no one if elected. I find it refreshing to finally have a candidate in the mix who is highly unlikely to be swayed by money or to be for sale to the highest bidder or to accept donations from other countries or from foreign governments of countries where their cultures are fine and dandy with throwing gay people from rooftops, cutting off the heads of Christians, and considering women possessions who can be bought and sold on the street. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he will call a radical Islamic terrorist a radical Islamic terrorist. Trump has repeatedly talked about something that really upsets a lot of Americans about the current administration. Their outrageously well-documented refusal to call radical Islamic terrorists by their real name. To be clear, 
in the aftermath of any terror attack, I am all for not jumping to conclusions and not making assumptions that truly would be indicative of a prejudiced racist perspective. But when we have documented evidence, for example, that a person who committed an act of terror aligns with Islam, aligns with ISIS, or yells Allahu Akbar while shooting or blowing up innocent people whose only crime is not being Muslim, I don't think it's racist to refer to them as radical Islamic terrorists. Trump has made it clear he will not shy away from the use of such terminology. And if that strikes you as anything other than reasonable, logical, and normal, then you, my friend, have bought into the brainwashing hook, line, and sinker. If a Caucasian Christian commits an act of terror, it's not racist to call them a radical Christian terrorist, is it? I don't think it would be. Nor should any white American be offended if such a person were to be labeled in that manner. It is what it is. To cite facts does not make one a racist. As an aside, for those of you who may object to the term radical, the only alternative to that would be normal Islamic terrorist. And I think that sounds a lot worse. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he won't aid and abet the number one state sponsor of global terrorism. The deal Obama struck with Iran was a major mistake, in my humble opinion. I say this for the following reasons. Iran is the world's leading state sponsor of terror. By lifting economic sanctions, an economically whole Iran will have more resources to support Hezbollah and other militant proxies in the region. There are also concerns that the country will be permitted to buy ballistic missile components in eight short years. Here I'm quoting from an article that appeared in Fortune. Iran will be freed of restrictions on its missile program, which experts believe is being designed as a nuclear weapons delivery system for Iran's missiles, which could currently hit Europe and is believed to be developing ICBMs that could strike the United States. Former Senator Joe Lieberman had this to say about the deal. This agreement ultimately allows Iran to become a nuclear weapons state and indeed legitimizes Iran's possession of nuclear weapons capabilities. This is a bad deal for America, a bad deal for Iran's neighbors in the Middle East, and a bad deal for the world. Again, that's Joe Lieberman who said that. Beyond the particulars of the deal itself, the manner in which the deal was ratified shines a light on the unsavory manner in which the Obama administration made this happen. More specifically, at a UN Security Council meeting, Obama pushed through a resolution ratifying the deal, thus officially committing the United States as a nation to its implementation, in advance of any congressional action. The deal should have been submitted to Congress first, and it should have been submitted as a treaty which it obviously is. That matters because Obama knew he would not be able to get the required votes in the Senate. Not even close, in fact, as at one point during the process, only 42 senators supported the deal, while 67 votes were required to pass it. Not only that, but a 2015 Pew Research poll showed the American people opposed the deal by a staggering 28-point margin. The point, Obama bent rules and disrespected the process to ramrod the deal down our throats. This is admittedly a very complex issue, and I'm certainly no expert on the topic. That said, the shorthand that I read in all of this is that there is now a clear path to Iran becoming a legitimate nuclear power. Even taking the most 
trusting of Iran's stance on this, all the deal does is delay their ability to manufacture nuclear weapons. There's much more nuance to this, of course, but I believe these are the points that matter to the average American voter. Given the historical nature of our relationship with Iran, and given their repeated public declarations to annihilate both Israel, which is our only historical true ally in the Middle East, and the United States, you know, us, I for one do not trust them at all. The thought of them having legal nukes in a decade-ish, and that's what many suggest, and some actually suggest sooner, that's truly terrifying. Ten years might seem like a long time. It isn't. And if none of that moves you, consider this little tidbit, which surfaced in a WikiLeaks release on October 14, 2016. John Anzalone, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he's a partner at a public opinion research firm, sent an email to John Podesta. And John Podesta, if you don't know, is the chairman of Hillary Rodham Clinton's current presidential campaign. Anzalone was quoting someone else and he said, this agreement condemns the next generation to cleaning up a nuclear war in the Persian Gulf. This is the greatest appeasement since Chamberlain gave Czechoslovakia to Hitler. So that's what Anzalone emailed to Podesta, Hillary Rodham Clinton's campaign manager right now. Podesta's reply was, yep, yeah, that's right. They are expecting a nuclear war. Unless I can't read English, I'm pretty sure that's what was said in that exchange. Again, that's because of this deal with Iran. Looking beyond the deal itself, as written in the Wall Street Journal, and I quote, the Obama administration secretly organized an airlift of 400 million worth of cash to Iran that coincided with the January release of four Americans detained in Tehran, according to U.S. and European officials and congressional staff briefed on the operation afterward, end quote. The hostages were released the same day the cash arrived. The administration spun a story about how this was not a pure cash for hostages ransom deal, but Iran itself bragged that it was. All that said, I'm highly confident that Trump will address this in some manner. In the third and final debate held October 19th, 2016, Trump called the Iran deal the open quote, stupidest deal of all time, close quote. The next reason that I'm voting for Trump is because he is an egomaniac. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Trump is an egomaniac. Would anyone dispute that? I don't think so. How and why, you may be asking, is that a good thing? It's a good thing because of this. The only way he wins is if we win. If his presidency is anything short of a huge success, it will end up being the ultimate black mark on his legacy. And most people with enormous egos are very concerned with perception and legacy. So I think if elected, Trump will kill himself to ensure he does all he can to make good on his make America great again promise. Because if he doesn't, he tarnishes his most valuable and beloved asset, the Trump name. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he is not Bill Clinton. I'm not going to go deep here because it's all public record and anyone who wants to find this information can do so with almost no effort. You can just go on Wikipedia and search Bill Clinton sex. You'll find a bunch of stuff there. Here are the larger highlights. For the full details, consult again that page on Wikipedia. In 1999, he was accused of rape by Juanita Broderick 
And contrary to recent claims by NBC, Broderick's claims were never debunked. In 1998, he paid Paula Jones an $850,000 out-of-court settlement relating to alleged sexual harassment. While testifying under oath during that Jones case, uh, Bill Clinton lied about having a sexual affair with Monica Lewinsky, a 24-year-old intern with whom he indeed did have an affair. He was subsequently impeached for perjury and obstruction of justice. Additionally, as a result of this incident, he also lost his license to practice law. There are a number of other women who have alleged sexual misconduct on the part of Bill Clinton. And it's interesting to note that from the time I started researching all the stuff that I was researching to create this podcast, that aforementioned Wikipedia page was edited rather significantly to reduce what appears there, which felt really weird as I went back and looked at that again. Closely related, for those of you who are currently using the wildly popular, Bill isn't running, Hillary is, response to the ever so logical question as to how one can attack Trump for things he said about women while giving Bill Clinton a free pass on the incredible list of things he's actually done to women, I'll offer this. Yes, it is true that Hillary is running, not Bill. But Bill is still Bill. And if elected, he'll be back in the White House. I find it really hard to believe we won't see more of the same behavior from him. And then what? Just more scandals for the Clintons? Just more scandals for the White House? Here's one you might be hearing more about in the coming weeks and months. Bill has taken at least 26 trips aboard the Lolita Express, a private jet owned by Jeffrey Epstein, a billionaire who did 13 months in prison and home detention for solicitation and procurement of minors for prostitution. Epstein's jet earned its Nabokov-inspired nickname because it was reportedly outfitted with a bed where passengers had group sex with young girls. Such a great example our former president is setting for women's rights and feminists everywhere. I'm sure he'll make a great first gentleman slash repeat offender. Can you imagine if Melania Trump had an affair with a young man half her age and then lied about it under oath? Can you even imagine the firestorm that would have created among today's media? Related, Hillary claims to be a feminist and in fact is on record as saying of sexual assault victims, quote, don't let anyone silence your voice. You have the right to be heard. You have the right to be believed and we're with you, end quote. Unless, of course, you happen to be a woman who was assaulted by her husband. In that case, I suggest you prepare for a character assassination led by the Democratic nominee herself. And just to make sure you didn't miss something I noted earlier, allow me to repeat. A huge chunk of America is writing Trump off for something he said 11 years ago in a private conversation. And what he said was not even remotely as bad as things we know Bill Clinton actually did to women. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because he is not her. Last and certainly not least, and in fact, I might even go so far as to consider this the number one reason I'm voting for Trump is simply because he is not Hillary Clinton. I'd love to give full descriptions of all of her scandals, but that would require another hour of this podcast, and I don't want to subject you to that. So I'm going to limit myself here to one reasonable length sentence for each of the more significant Hillary scandals. And as I already mentioned, you can go to unkview.com slash scandal and get a complete rundown of all the scandals 
for both of the candidates. But here are some of those scandals. Again, this isn't all of them. She was alleged to have had a hand in the firing of seven employees that were meant to cover up questionable resource allocations and other favors with which she was directly involved. That's known as Travelgate. In violation of federal law, she used private email address and private server, sent and received confidential information on that server, and lied repeatedly about those things. Of course, you know about that. She deleted 30,000 emails in violation of a congressional subpoena to preserve them, and then use advanced technology to ensure those emails could not be recovered, and then smashed all of the devices she used with a hammer. She lied about being under sniper fire in Bosnia. She was found to be in possession, or actually she and Bill, because she was the first lady at the time, were found to be in possession of more than 700 FBI background check reports on various rivals. She called pursuit of her husband during the Lewinsky scandal a right-wing conspiracy. And of course, he was found guilty of perjury and obstruction of justice and was, as already noted, subsequently impeached. That, again, is the Monica Lewinsky scandal. There are alleged violations of the Clinton Foundation accepting tens of millions of dollars from foreigners and from foreign governments, some of which are known financiers of terrorism, in violation of laws which preclude foreigners from making donations to U.S. political campaigns. There are also alleged violations of IRS rules for charitable organizations, again relating to the Clinton Foundation. There are alleged ties to agitators paid to disrupt Trump rallies, some of which are specifically targeted elderly Trump protesters for assaulting. That's known as the bird-dogging scandal, again, part of WikiLeaks. And then, of course, who can forget the rigging of the 2016 DNC convention in which leaked emails disclosed a known supporter of hers, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, clearly acted on behalf of her to the detriment of rival Bernie Sanders. And, of course, we all know Hillary then rewarded Wasserman by immediately hiring her. She also has accepted massive political contributions from Wall Street firms and refused to disclose the content of those speeches. And then there's the whole Benghazi thing. You know, she blamed an attack on the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi in which four Americans were killed on a YouTube video. Later, evidence showed she knew this not to be the case at the time she said it. She also refused hundreds of requests for additional security for that same embassy in Benghazi and called the parents of those killed in the terror attack liars. While functioning as Secretary of State, she allegedly took actions to facilitate the sale of uranium to Russian interests. And of course, uranium is used to manufacture nuclear weapons. And she was supposedly motivated by over $2 million in donations to the Clinton Foundation, which were not disclosed by the Clintons. And those donations were made by the chairman of a Russian-owned company. As already stated, Trump is far from an angel. He most certainly has his own litany of negatives in his life and in his file. But her record of wrongdoing is extraordinary. It is spectacular in terms of its depth, breadth, and magnitude. Even if every single thing that is supposedly wrong, bad, or evil about Trump is 100% true, all of that combined is still a tiny fraction of the things we know to be true about Hillary. The next reason that I'm voting for Trump is because we're electing a president, not a priest. To hold any candidate to an artificially high standard in today's day and age is somewhat ridiculous. And it's particularly problematic when that standard seems to be applied unequally to the candidates. Again, to repeat, Trump is no saint. 
To be even clearer, she is even worse on this scale. So let's all get down off of our high horses and be realistic about the implications of electing another one of those darn humans, what with all of their imperfections and character flaws and whatnot. The next reason I'm voting for Trump is because all he does is win. Maybe you've forgotten what a novelty, maybe even a joke, truth be told, the idea of a Trump presidency was back when this whole circus kicked off back in 2015. You can't be serious, right? I mean, how long can this clown hang? And then he started winning, and people still thought it was an aberration and an outlier that would self-correct shortly. But he just kept rolling and picking up momentum. And don't forget how many times his own party tried to bury him. Remember when Romney threw him under the bus and the Bush family and Paul Ryan and his various stunts? And yet he just kept going and building even more momentum. And even at that point, even after people started to think he might be a viable candidate, do you remember when almost no one would admit they were supporting him publicly? I remember it like it was yesterday because it quite literally was almost yesterday. It took me quite a while to say anything online that might be viewed as support for Trump because people on the other side were so quick to shame anyone willing to stick their neck out on his behalf. Now, wow, things have changed dramatically and radically. Yeah, I know my Facebook and Twitter feeds probably have a disproportionate number of conservatives in them, but I now see far more support for Trump than I do for Hillary. And I know what you're thinking, dude, get real, every poll shows Hillary way ahead. You're smoking crack. To that, I'll reply with the following. If you don't realize by now just how biased the mainstream media is against Trump, well, then I doubt you're still listening to this podcast because you probably turned it off as soon as I told you that I was voting for him. Ergo, you really need to consider the integrity and ulterior motives of the press at this point. We even did another podcast about this called R.I.P. Journalism, uh, which you can check out at unkview.com. Second, in 1980, every major news source had Jimmy Carter ahead of Ronald Reagan as the election approached. Gallup, The Washington Post, and ABC had Carter's lead at 9%, Roper had it at 12%, etc. And yet Reagan won by a huge margin at just under 10%. And in yet another WikiLeaks release, this one on October 23rd, 2016, we learned that the media is, quote, working with Hillary Clinton to release bogus weighted polls that show Hillary ahead of Trump and then to follow up to declare the election over. In other words, directly intentionally lying to the American public to create a false perception with the specific intention of affecting the outcome of the election. Man, that sure sounds like a crime to me. Ergo, I take the polls with a grain of salt in any election cycle, and in particular, in this cycle, given the clear bias that exists in much of the media. Trump has been beating the odds since this whole thing started, overcoming obstacles, expectations, harsh adversaries, and bitter betrayals, seemingly every step of the way. Remember, a very short time ago, almost no one admitted to supporting Trump. Now I see such people everywhere. Now it's her supporters who seem to be the ones trying to lay low. 
And finally, I'm voting for Trump because so much is at stake. You've probably heard many call this the most important election in American history. As I'm not 300 years old, I cannot realistically confirm or deny that. What I can say is this is by far the most important election in my lifetime. We have social trends heading in all the wrong directions. Free speech is being threatened. Terrorist attacks are being blamed more on the weapons the terrorists use than on the terrorists themselves. Racial tensions are very high. True unemployment is at record levels. People don't trust law enforcement. Political correctness has run amok and is out of control. We're on the brink of a real conflict with Russia right this minute. Terrorism is on the rise and people are afraid of where and when the next attack is going to happen. People see what Open Borders is doing in parts of Europe and they fear that type of immigration, or is it an invasion, is inevitable in America should another Democrat find her way into office. And just for the record, it's not fear-mongering to be legitimately afraid when reality punches you in the face enough times. That's not fear, it's wisdom. And maybe most importantly, one, two, or maybe even more Supreme Court justices will be replaced during the next four to eight years. Those choices are of massive importance. You simply cannot exaggerate how critical those appointments are going to be. All that said, from where I sit, there's not a whole lot going well in America right now. We need a person to kick ass, take names, and drain the swamp. For me, there is only one candidate potentially qualified to do that, and his name is Donald J. Trump. I will be proudly casting my vote for him on November 8th.